These past two years living and working in the pandemic, public health has become one of the most talked about topics in our communities. Some of the talk has been supportive and positive, and some has been less so. But public health is certainly on the minds of many Washingtonians. And although there may be discussion or even disagreement on the what, how, or why, one thing remains abundantly clear, public health is essential. Welcome to the Public Health is Essential podcast brought to you by the Washington State Public Health Association. I am your host and Association Executive Director, Jeff Ketchell. This podcast is a place for public health professionals, students, or anybody that just wants to learn more about public health in Washington State. To hear from its leaders and innovators, the latest research, legislation, and a myriad of other topics. For episode one, we are honored to welcome Adrian Dominguez, the newly installed WSPHA board president and chief data officer of the Seattle Indian Health Board. In this episode, we discuss his public health journey, the state of public health, and what is on the horizon for the Washington State Public Health Association. Public health is essential. Welcome to the inaugural first podcast of the Washington State Public Health Association. We believe that public health is essential and critical for all Washingtonians. Today is our first guest, Adrian Dominguez. Adrian is the brand new Washington State Public Health Association president. Uh, He was inaugurated at our October uh, conference in our annual business meeting. and we're very excited to have him as our first guest on our show today. So without further ado, uh, welcome Adrian to the Public Health is Essential podcast. Thank you, Jeff. It's an honor actually to be the very first guest. I was looking forward to this and I, I, I just am really excited about our conversation today. Well, thank you. We'll, we'll just, we'll kick off with something easy. Um, Adrian, tell us something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. Um, uh, I would say, and don't ask me to name them all. I, um, I have 32 nephews and nieces. I'm a great, great uncle. Um, I come from a very big family and, and I, I love the fact that I, I, I do, I, I am very close to believe it or not all of them. Um, and I spend time with them when I go home, they're spread out throughout California and New Mexico and Arizona. So, um, yeah, I, it's this. This is it, it's an honor to be have that many um, nieces and nephews. They're not my children, so that's always a good thing. I can just always hand them back, right? <laughs> um, oh, that, that's very funny. Um, both my parents were only children, and so I had no nieces. I ha- I have no first cousins um, or aunts and uncles, and so wow! Imagine all your nieces and nephews uh, being able to experience that. Something I have completely foreign to me so and I the funny thing is I grew up with um several of them because I'm the youngest by 20 years of of my my sister and I are like 20 years apart um and then my brothers and I are like 10 years apart so I grew up with my nephews and nieces as being like my brothers and sisters 
So we have a really, really strong bond, you know, and, and I think it's unique in, in that in that sense that we're, you know, I'm, I'm much closer to them than my brothers and sisters. Wow. Wow. So um, so you work for the, the Urban Indian Health Institute as, as your day job when you're not being president of the Public Health Association. What is your path and how did you land where you are? Yeah, you know, my 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 path to to being where I am today um, has taken a lot of twists and turns um, to you know becoming the the chief data officer here um, at um, Seattle Indian Health Board. Um, I, I actually started out. Um, I, I was going to to medical school and I had the opportunity to take some public health courses um, while I was um, going to school back east. And I was just really intrigued by, by public health and, and particularly epidemiology. I have a, a hardcore science background. And I thought I could do greater impact you know, in public health. It just seemed to align with what I wanted to do. And, and, and certainly a lot of what I experienced growing up um, were, were things that, that I felt needed to be addressed. And so I ended up you know, going to, to public health school instead. Um, and immediately after finishing school, I took a job being a, um, an epidemiologist. So, so I'm a trained epidemiologist, but I took a job as, as an epidemiologist working in pediatric lead poisoning in um, ethnic minority communities in Los Angeles. Um, and I saw the strength of the work that I did in changing policy. What, um, what we were doing was trying to identify the correlations between a, the lead that was coming out of an adjacent lead smelter um, in, in this poor area. And what we found were elevated uh, lead levels in children. And many of those children were having um, problems as far as disciplinary issues. Um, the um, development, mental development issues. And so um, we decided to, to look into this, investigate it. And we did find that there was a strong correlation coming from this lead smelter and these children becoming, um, you know, having uh, high levels of lead. And the result of all that work ended up um, closing this lead smelter down in Los Angeles. And, and then just after that, I, I, I you know, I was, I don't want to say it was fortunate, but I, I at the very early on in in my career, um, I was also at the beginning of the AIDS epidemic, um, and so for a person who was just out of school to get involved in something like that in Los Angeles was just eye opening to me, and it really spoke to me about the importance of surveillance um, and and contact tracing and and how we were identifying the modes of transmissions and, and really trying to come up with ways to prevent the transmission of HIV. So I, I was really in the thick of things of, of, of doing you know, that type of work. Um, and that just led to other jobs um, throughout the country, working um, on some genetic studies, um, working in um, border communities and looking at infection of HIV among um, um, Mexican-American women. Um, eventually, I ended up in, in Washington State about, I moved to Washington State in about 2007, working at um, Spokane Regional Health District as an epidemiology and community health assessments, community needs assessments uh, department. 
Um, and I was there for quite some time. Um, always wanted to move to Seattle and be on the west side of the state. And I ended up here. I was offered the job in 2015 as their scientific director um, and eventually got promoted to um, their, their chief data officer overseeing all the data informatics, um, data systems for the agency. Um, and, and what's really beautiful about working here is not only do I get to work with um, this incredible population, indigenous population, American Indian, Alaska Natives, but it gives, um, it gives me the opportunity also to travel a lot. I mean, we, we, you know, prior to the pandemic, we were always going out and visiting these communities um, and, and identifying what, what their needs were and really trying to help them with either data collections or like analyzing data so that they could, I, apply for resources, funding for their programs. And so again, it brings me back to the impact of the work that I'm doing. I can see it firsthand. I, people come up to me and tell me, thank you for the work that your agency has been, has been doing. It's really helped promote some of the work that we're doing. It has allowed us to, to receive funding otherwise that we would not have had. Um, and so, you know, making that difference. And so, you know, in the long long way of like, you know, I started in, in California. Um, I've moved around several places throughout the U.S., eventually, you know, ending up here in, in Washington State. And I could honestly say, I mean, this is home to me now. I, I don't, my parent, my, my family wants to move back to Los Angeles, but um, this is, Los Angeles is a place I grew up. Seattle is home. Wow. What, what a, what a great journey you've been on. Um, so many, ups and downs and things that drew you around and different opportunities to, to try different things out in different places, as well as different types of jobs. Um, what is the most exciting thing about what you're doing right now? Um, I, you know, believe it or not, it, it's, it's actually the work that we're doing on COVID-19 um, and, and really shedding the light on the lack of information um, for communities of color, particularly with indigenous populations on the data that's being collected, whether it be on infection rates, whether it be on mortality rates, whether on hospitalization rates um, or, or risk factors for um, um, being infected with, with um, COVID-19. I, I, I think that the pandemic really exposed um, some of the um, ill-preparedness that not just, I'm, I'm not going to say Washington State, I'm going to say public health in general, um, when it came, when it comes to actually looking at information, data that's being collected um, to assess how this is, COVID-19 is impacting, you know, certain populations. Um, and I, I think what we've done at, at our agency is really expose the, um, level of missingness or inadequacies of data that's being collected. And as a result of that, I think that that has an ultimate impact on how programs are developed, on how funding is allocated. Um, what we see is just in general, like this is what, it, what COVID looks like, you know, impacting the entire community, when in fact it's, it's impacting different communities at a different rate. And, you know, there's certainly all these disparities. And so the thing for me that's really, really exciting and what I really, really enjoy is the fact that I'm able to show, you know, these level of 
of disparities, um, true disparities, you know, and then also focus in on how to um, address and, and close that gap. But we also like we, we really what I think is really beautiful is I think some of the answers to some of the problems that we see um, in public health are really found within these communities. And so looking at their strengths and resilience, I mean, we could learn from that, right? Um, and, and, and showing that, you know, not all answers are the ones that we've identified in a book when we were going to school, you know, um, or, or the ones that are made in an office among, you know, public health professionals. I think that what we fail to understand is public health is everybody. Um, public health, you know, some of the, the these programs or interventions are the, the best ones have come from the communities themselves. So the, the ability for me to continue to work with community is, is just been a plus. And then I think the other thing is that what I really like is I lo love mentoring younger um, generation, younger professionals who are coming up. You know, I'll be retiring in, in about 10 years. So I'm looking for the next generation, right, to, to come in and take my place. So I think this is a great time to be in public health. It's, 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 there's a lot going on. There's a lot of, you know, attacks on, on public health. But I think that this is the, the one thing the pandemic did was just expose that, you know, public health is, is essential. I mean, people didn't really know about public health and now they do. Speaking of attacks, um, the past two years have been just unbelievable for the public health system and the public health workers in it. And, and I'm not trying to lead you or anything here, but what is your biggest concern or dislike about public health, either, either over the long term or right now? You know, what really keeps you up at night? You know, I, I would say that, you know, what, what keeps me up at night in, in particular is that it is this attack on public health and that you have individuals that are not public health professionals making decisions about the public's health, you know, and they think, and they believe that they are making a, a, the right decision based off of like, it's my right to do what I choose to do to, you know, my body, whether I want to get a vaccination or not, and not realizing the impact that this is having on, you know, the entire community on, on it, you know, you not getting the vaccination actually has an impact on me, right? And, and so it, the, the fact that, that we are seeing this attack, right? And, and it's not just attack on, on public health, it's attack on our educational system. It is attack on, you know, on how we do business. It's, I mean, everything seems to stem from, from COVID-19 and, and the answers are there. I mean, we, if, if, if people just practice good public health practices um, that would minimize the transmission, then we would be out of this, this hole that we're in. But the fact is that we continue and we allow certain populations to continue to attack, you know, our public health professionals, right? Um, um, go, going to these, you know, uh, uh, public health um, meetings um, in, in, in counties or in cities, you know, and you have people, you know, talking about, you know, individual liberty and, and, and what have you. 
to me, that's just really selfish because, you know, it's, it's impacting all of us. Um, and, and the fact that if you don't want to get vaccinated, then that, that's, again, that's, that's your right, but then don't come into my space and, and, you know, put me at risk. And I think that there's just this, all this bad information that has been put out there. Um, and people just, again, are, you know, putting information out there without really even knowing the facts, you know, this attack on science as well, you know, is, is, is something that I, I think needs to just stop, you know, um, and, and people, I don't know if people do this purposely just so that they could see two different sides, you know, um, coming together and, and, you know, hitting their heads. Um, but it, it just, this isn't something I had seen, you know, um, 10 years ago, you know, 20 years ago. Um, but the fact that that it, it, we see it now um, and it's it, public health has become really political um, is is disturbing. It really is, you know, and, and so I'm, I'm hoping that in the future, you know, as, as we're looking at this, because I that, that we will resolve that and that we'll get back to, you know, um, understanding what public health is and why it's important and the the impacts that has made in the past you know um there there's i, I think we've gotten away from that and and so I'm, I'm i'm hoping that you know in in the future that we can come back to those understandings of why public health is needed and and you know the impacts the great impacts that has had over the years so i like to to read there's been a lot of things written both in, in the media and, and magazines and journals the past couple of years about the public health system and uh, the public and, and journalists have never been more keenly aware of who public health is and what, and what they do. And one of the articles that I found, I found sort of interesting and, and um, was uh, Ed, Ed Young on, on The Atlantic. He writes a lot of interesting articles, but this one in October talked about how public health took part in its own downfall. And in the article, uh, he talks about, you know, 100 plus years ago, public health, uh, often led by public health nurses, were really out there on the forefront working on social justice. They were out there in the poor communities looking at housing conditions, sanitation, uh, prevention of disease, access to, to food, to food and, and, and public health really took on this social justice role. And then public health, what he argues in the, in the article is that public health evolved into more of a, a science-based uh, profession uh, with things like, like epidemiology and the science of environmental health and disease and investigation and prevention and, and of course, all, all the, the lab work that involved, evolved in the 20th century. And public health, he says, you know, got away from the social justice roots and were more of a, a field of science. And so, and so I... I, I I recognize that change and and maybe we we should not have stepped so far away from those roots not not underscoring the the, the importance of the science parts but um, if that's the past what do you see as the future of public health you know obviously you, you, there's there's some positive a lot of positive and some negatives going on right now but but what are some of those positive and negative futures that you're you're starting to see and if they're negatives what can we do about it 
Yeah. I, so l- let me let me start off by saying that that I think that you know f- with with public health, you know, one of the things that we need to recognize is that it's not strictly like public health professionals. You know, people that have a a degree in public health. Um, or people that work for public health departments or state health departments. I, I, I think we need to broaden our, our understanding of what pu- public health entails. And I think for the longest time, that's what was taught. It's like, you know, you want to go into public health. I mean, you go and work for a local health jurisdiction or state health department. Well, it's more than that. Um, and, and so I think we need to start understanding that, that public health is, 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 is community. Public health is our businesses. Um, public health is is this social justice and racism, right? Um, and, and so I think we need to recognize that it entails more than just doing surveillance or going to restaurants to check, you know, if if the restaurants are clean or clean water, clean air. Yes, that's and that that's all important and that's all necessary, right? That, that's certainly foundational to to the, the work that we're doing. But it's it's also understanding, you know, communities and what's what's right for those communities based off of what they believe what is right, not what I believe what is right. Um, and you know, I you know I've talked a little bit about my history. You know, when when I did my acceptance speech, you know, and I t- talked to you a, a little bit, you know, somewhat of my history as well. You know, I grew up in a very poor community. You know, um, I. I grew up in in a a neighborhood east los angeles you know where it was crime infested drugs you know my own brother was selling drugs out of our our, our home um you know i i remember a at one point a a rival gang to my brothers came by and and like literally shot at our house blew out all the windows my father my mother and myself were there and um and that's what I grew up with, you know, um, it's a really poor area where basically like you went to, you, you got in a, into a gang because there was nothing else to do. My parents decided to send me away. Um, and, and I've been fortunate to, to have this, this path into a, a profession um, and, and given the opportunity to go to school. I, I say this is, is because that, I, I think in the work that we do is that we have to recognize that there are these um, these barriers to to people being healthy, and they're not just always about accessing services. I think that that's a big part of it, but it's also about what's available in in those communities as far as like um, you know why do, do we have um, you know. The gangs, or why is there drugs, or why is there poverty? Why, you know, all, all of these things, and and we see that it leads to a lot of other things that we didn't necessarily or haven't really necessarily correlated to public health. So, um, and and I think that that's really the 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 backbone to to understanding um, and and um, improving the health and well being of individuals is that you know going down, you know, upstream to figure out, you know, what those those barriers are or what those risk factors are. But I also feel as though, you know, one of the things that I've learned over the years is that intervention programs or the way we fix things doesn't necessarily come from state agency, local public health agencies. I think we really need to inst- instill some confidence 
um, and understanding that community has the answers to these things. And so I, I think we need to recognize that. And I would hope that as we're moving forward, that we engage our communities more and allow them to lead the efforts rather than us trying to think that we need to lead the efforts or, or we assume that we need to lead the efforts. I think we're there to help guide, but I don't think that we're there to, to actually the ones to decide on what's best for a community um, and so that, that, that's the, the one thing that, that, that I, I think, you know, moving forward that I would like to see is more community engagement. And I don't just mean like the, the, the community, you know, individuals in the community, but there's community organizations as well within a, a, a place, you know, whether that be a clinic, whether that be a, a church, whether a community center or something, but that's all public health as well. Um, and, and we need to, to engage those partners in understanding, you know, what is needed within a community. I think the other thing is, you know, um, I, I talk about my history. We've been, you know, ever since I came out, uh, come out of school, um, you know, we, we, we talked about disparities, socially determined health and all this. Well, I, I've been living it you know, all my entire life, nothing's really changed, you know? And so all of a sudden, I think that, you know, I, I'd say within the last like 10 years or so, this became a hot topic. You know, people really wanted to focus in on this. Like, you know, let's talk about social determinants of health and how they correlate to these poor health outcomes. You know, we're going to move upstream to, to address all this. Yes. And that, that's great. But this, nothing's really changed for me all these years. I am still seeing the same thing. I'm fortunate in the sense that I, I don't live in that environment anymore, but I still see these, these outcomes happening. And so if we're gonna talk about inequities, if we're gonna talk about disparities, then I, I think this is where organizations, you know, particularly this is where state and local health jurisdictions can lead efforts is what are the metrics that are going to actually measure that we are making some headway in, in minimizing that gap, right? What are those successes? Because simply talking about it and say, oh, it's going to be part of our strategic plan. I've heard that. I've heard that so much that I'm like, okay, words don't mean anything to me anymore. I need to see actual outcomes, you know, and, and the difference that, that is being made, not simply words put on a piece of paper in a book or a report that nobody reads, right? And so, um, yeah, it sounds good. It's, it sounds really great. You know, the, those are the, the latest, like, you know, words to use when you're talking about public health, you know, and we're like, oh, you know, social justice, let's say, it's, it's, we have to think more about it than just simply saying it. So it's really about whatever the tools we want to use or whatever the methods, it's really the outcomes. What are those outcomes and how are we going to achieve them and how are we going to measure and make sure that those outcomes got hit? Yeah, I, you know, this is something that I question everybody, you know, whether it's federal agencies, state agencies, and I'm not just saying state Washington state, I work with a lot of other state health agencies throughout the country, you know, and federal agency as well. And, you know, they, they will come up, you know, as part of this, whatever it is that they're doing interventions programs is, you know, we're going to address um, the disparities and inequities, you know, for certain populations. I'm like, yeah, but I don't see anything as far as measurable items or metrics that, that will actually address any of this, 
right? And and so I think we need to think a little bit harder about what that truly means. And what here's the other thing: I think we need to also figure out what's our role individually. What's our role in addressing this, right? Um, it's I, I I as a professional know what I'm supposed to be doing or what I do, right? Um, but I think outside of that, when I leave my office, there's things that I can do myself to address some of these things that, that we're talking about. Right. And I think that that's where I think, you know, people I, I would hope that people would want to to be more involved and engaged in that, um, that it's it's something you continually do um, w- even when you're away from your office. Right. And you're not doing your work. I want to go back briefly to to your comments around around data and metrics it's a, it's a fascinating area for me i am the furthest thing from being an epidemiologist so so we might be yin and yang spinning around in a different in a, in a different place but but i admire and appreciate it and it's an important tool uh in public health so my impression of of, of public health and data and, and reporting on that data is public health is really good at telling you what happened 18 24 months ago and just that, that, that slowness. Meanwhile, industry has found a way to be dynamic, you know, you know, either almost or practically in real time, what is, what is going on in, with their customers or community. And so what's happening in the public health world um, to get us closer to that reality of being more dynamic in real time, as opposed to the lag, the lag. Yeah, I, I, that, that you bring up a very, very good point. And I, I think that this is the, the comments that, that you made earlier with regards to like public health has become very scientific, right? And I think that's science, that science is, is slow moving, right? Um, and particularly as epidemiologists, I mean, we, we need the data to support what it is that we're going to pr- try to promote or say. Um, data takes time to collect. And I think that we need to figure out how to collect data faster, better, um, and and analyze so that it is in in real time. But I will say this, that, you know, there there are a lot of of barriers and, and, you know, it's it's, it's not just like um, getting access to data. We're a public health authority. Do you know how many hoops I have to jump through just to get data, even though we're designated and identified by the federal government as a public health authority? I still have to try to convince agencies throughout the U.S. to give me data. Sometimes that takes months, years to finally get a data sharing agreement, right? And by that time, the data is already, you know, outdated. And, and so I'm having to wait for, you know, data to, to come in that's that's current. And when I say current, it's usually about two years um, off. So I think that that's part of it, Jeff, to be honest with you, is that we're, we're in these systems and these structures that um, are, are archaic. Um, and I, I think we as, you know, public health professionals, particularly those that deal with data, need to come up with new and innovative ways of collecting data um, and, and, and showing, analyzing those data, you know, doing these visuals real time of what it, it looks like. I think that there is, and, and, and here, here's the thing, I, I think that there's a lot of efforts to protect 
the information and i get that that that's really important you know personal information you know data you don't want certain people getting a hold of it so i think that that also takes up a lot of of time is in trying to assure that that it, it's it's not going to be used incorrectly that it is safe you know and it's in a system that cannot be um uh, broken in order to to get this information so you know that's another component of it you know we have to clean data we have to you know make sure that it is um accurate um you know and and so there's a lot of things that go into it that i don't think people realize that are necessary in order for us to get some accurate information so i think we have to you know in, in doing all of that because that's all necessary what are some real you know innovative ways of developing data infrastructures or data systems that will allow us to see data you know in real time as opposed to taking several years to actually get information right um that's i i i agree and I, I don't have an answer to that i know that right now we are working our agency is working with the state of washington to come up with some type of like data infrastructure data system where we can get this information um, out quicker, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and certainly um, assessing the health and well-being of, well, in this case, the indigenous populations in the state of Washington. So I'm going to move away from the broader field of public health. You're now two months into your presidency with uh, the Public Health Association. What do you see for the future of WSPHA, either this year or beyond? That's that's a good question. Um, there's, I mean, there's there's a lot that that's already been that's in process. Uh, that my predecessor had um, um, Julie Osgood had had started, and I want to certainly continue some of that the the the, the good work that that has been began. Um, I I think that moving forward, I mean, certainly we have to address you know the the this issue of attacks on public health um and and attacks on public health officials um there has to be some legislation that moves towards to protecting these individuals i think that that's really essential if we're going to you know continue um this isn't the first pandemic it's not the last pandemic this is not the last public health crisis or issue that we're going to see um, but there needs to be systems in place to protect our public health officials. Um, and, and I think that that certainly this pandemic has exposed that, right? Um, I, I think the idea like, you know, we're starting to talk about it and it's been it talked about, but I think, you know, WSPHA is really going to move this um, this coming year is, is really focusing on racism as a public health issue. Um, and, and what does that entail and what does that really mean, you know, and, and I want to challenge people to to really look into that um, and, and 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 look at it from the perspective of an individual who is, of you know, of color, you know, and and and, and their their health and well being, you know, and how being a person of color and being exposed or having experiences in racism, you know, the impact that it has on, on, on your mental health, you know, your physical health, emotional health, um, you know, and that ultimately that, I mean, that's, again, that's public health. We haven't really thought about that um, in the past. And, and so 
I really want to focus in um, and make that, you know, one of our key priorities um, in moving forward um, and, and certainly have that continue, you know, past my presidency as, and, and be something that is, is going to continue to be um, and will always be in, you know, our strategic thinking, our plans, you know, moving forward. Um, I actually would like to also grow the, the membership. I, I think there's an opportunity here. When I look at who the memberships, who the membership is, you know, there's a lot of gaps that we have. Um, and I think that that's really um, something I would like to focus in on is in, in, in increasing the number of, of members. I think we're, we're, we're certainly strength in numbers. Um, I've talked to you about this and I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, after the first of the year is do the this road trip, you know, throughout the state, you know, visiting different counties, public health um, organizations, you know, whatever, universities, talking to students, talking to professors and really encouraging people to join our organizations and get involved in our, you know, on, on ledge day coming to our conference right. Um, I'm hoping it's going to be in person this year. Um, that's really what, what I'm I'm wanting to to see, um, but and and make it more the, you know the not only the like the board and and our membership more of a, a diverse group of, of of people. I think that when we look at who's who our members are, again, there's a huge population of communities of color that are not part of this. They don't know that this that we even exist. Um, so I, I'm going to use that, um, you know, um, leverage that, you know, in meeting with people and, and, and particularly organizations that um, are in these communities of color. I, mean, I you know, working with them to in, increase our membership. I, I'd like to have more, more people that you know, look like me. Uh, mm -hmm. um, I, I think what's really wonderful this year is probably the most diverse our board has ever been. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and it's and it's also a board that's um, it's primarily women. So I'm, I'm really excited about that as well. Um, so it's, it's different. It looks different than what it has in the past. And so, um, and hopefully that'll give us an opportunity to, you know, identify other areas that we need to focus in on. Um, and, and just, again, you know, we, we started some really great work and I just want to continue that great work. Um, there's a lot of strength that we have as an organization, you know, in working with different other, uh, other, um, organizations, you know, um, public health roundtable, you know, continue those efforts in that relationship. I know you, you work closely with them, you know, and certainly want to be a partner with them in the work that they do, you know, moving forward as well. So I'm glad you brought up universities. Uh, we are really blessed in Washington State with a number of undergraduate and graduate public health programs. What advice would you have for a person considering or entering the field today? Well, um, I, you know, this public health is completely different from when I entered it, entered into the field. I, I don't think that people even knew, well, they certainly didn't know what an epidemiologist was when I started, when I became an epidemiologist, right? I mean, it's just nobody knew what an epidemiologist was. I and mean, everyone thought I was a skin doctor when they would meet me. Um, and 
and now it's like everyone knows what an epidemiologist is and everybody is an epidemiologist right right, um, right. And, and so, yeah i i think you know so the advice that that, that i would give is um you know I challenge my staff all the time to be critical thinkers and to think outside of what has been taught. I mean, I think what's been taught in the university is important because it gives you the principles that you need to understand. But I, what I'm seeing coming out of schools um, now is that people are afraid to, to think on their own, if that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. They always want to have the right answer or they don't want to be wrong um, in, in something that the work that they do. Um, and I always tell my staff, you know, that's the only way that you're going to learn, right? I'm not going to let you, you know, jump off, you know, without having some safety net. You know, this is why we have these conversations. I have like, these conversations with my staff, but I also don't want to sit there and tell them, this is how you're going to do it. This is what, I mean, if that's the case and I could do the work myself. And so I, you know, new professionals that are coming out of school or that are people that are wanting to go into to public health is that, you know, be one, you, what you learn in school is great as far as a foundation, but you're going to have to at some point start applying some of those principles that are completely different than what you learned in a book, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and sometimes there are multiple answers to, you know, to whatever it is that you're doing. It's the idea of like critically thinking through this to determine what is the best answer for whatever it is that we're doing. Um, you know, so I think that that's, you know, that's one thing that, that I would say. I would also say that, you know, people think that public health is easy. It's not easy. It's, it's, you, you put, you, you need to be dedicated to the work that you, you do. You have to make sure you want to go into this field. Um, we, we're, we're in this field because we love what we do, right? We love the idea that we can make an impact um, on, on, on stuff. And I think regardless of what field you go into public health, you will always ultimately have an impact on the health and well-being of, of a population. Um, but if, if you are, are thinking that, you know, you're going to, one, make a lot of money, that's, that's not the field then for you, right? <laughs> uh, um, but I think you also have to, you, you also have to, like I said, it, it's, it's hard work and understand that that, that work is hard. Um, and, but you do it not because it's easy, you do it because it's hard and be, because like what we say at our agency, we do it for the love of our, of our people. Um, and, and so I think you need to make sure that this is th the thing that you want to do. Um, and I would also say that, you know, nowadays, you know, what is being trained, it's when, when I was in school, everything seemed to be really siloed, right? Like you took epidemiology, you took environmental health, you took behavioral health, yeah. Um, and that's not the case anymore. I think that it's really, you know, goes, um, those, those, those silos are being broken down. So having a good foundation and understanding of these other disciplines is necessary, I think, if you want to be successful in public health. So well, let, I'm going to wrap it up with this final question, Adrian, and, and thanks again so much for, for being on the show today. So as a leader, and you've, you've talked about this in and out with almost every question is, as a leader in public health, what is your call to action? How do you want people to engage? 
you know, I, I think right now is the most important time to to really engage um, in public health. Um, it, you know, in in my um, acceptance speech, at the end of the speech, there is a call to action about you know you you get involved, you know, getting involved in you know join WSPHA right, become a member of WSPHA. Um, get involved in one of the committees. But I think it's more than, the, than that. You know, I, I think like you should go to um, health board meetings and let your voice be heard. The people that are going to these board meetings and, and creating all of this chaos are not the majority. Um, and so I think it's our responsibility that we attend those board meetings, you know, and, and give the perspective of a public health professional who has been trained in this area um, and, and give them that insight and, and, and the facts and the truth about what it is that we do and why we do it. Um, I, I think that's necessary. I think that, you know, get involved in any community type of activities, you know, within your community, whether that be that, you know, sitting on a board of a community health center or, or participating in community activities. Um, I think that's important. I think that, you know, um, certainly getting involved with whatever it is that your local health jurisdiction or your state health department are doing, you know, showing your support for the things that, that they do um, and, and, and getting involved if, you know, if, if things, if people, if these organizations are asking for people to help out in whatever way they can, I think it's our responsibility to do that. And I would hope that people do that. I, I would want people to, to join us on legislative day, you know, and, and come to that and, 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 and engage, you know, with our legislators. Again, we are, you know, we're strong when we're, we have a lot of, of participants, you know, um, and, and so that's, that's really important. I, I think in, we need to have our voices heard. Um, and so, I, like I said, I encourage you to, to go to these meetings, um, wherever it is that, that we need a voice in public health, you know, I, I would like people to, to be there. Um, I would like people to come and come to our conference and, um, um, interact with, with other public health professionals. There's some great work that's being done in the state of Washington. I've worked in several state health agencies throughout the country. I've worked for some federal agencies. And I can tell you this, that you know Washington state is one of the leaders in public health. And this is one of the reasons I moved here was because of the public health um, uh, programs here. Uh, and and, and, and not, that's not to say that we don't have you know much to improve upon, we do. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done, but we are leaders, you know. And and so I think that you know being part of that community is is really important. You know, being involved. Like if if, if someone we send out a lot of surveys, you know, participate in these surveys, take these surveys. There, you know, the, this information is essential to the work that we're doing to develop programming to you know do put together campaigns. Um, so those, you know, those, those are the things that, that, you know, my call to action to people this year is like really to get involved in public health. Right now, it's essential. Okay, we're being attacked left and right all the time, right? Um, and, 
you have people that are making decisions that should not be making decisions. And mm -hmm. as, as a public health professional, I mean, you wouldn't want me making decisions about, you know, telling a dentist what to do, right? I mean, that's, that's not what my profession is, <laughs> you know? So I don't want anybody else who doesn't have a public health um, background, doesn't have a training in public health, telling me, you know, how to do my job. Um, but it's, it's, it, and, and that's and that's what's happening. So I think that you know our voices need to be heard. Um, and right now is really key because you know one of the things we used to always talk about or say in the past was that we did we never really got recognized for the stuff that that we did. Right? We never we were always like the the stepchild to to medicine in some way. Um, and you know we were we were like out of sight, out of mind, because the work that we do, we do is like prevent things from happening, you know, mm -hmm. this all this prevention. Now we have the light is on us right now. And so it's really, really critical that people understand how, how important public health is, you know, and why is it essential. And so the only way we're, you know, since we have that, you know, the stage right now, I think, you know, we, we need to make the best of it. And, and the only way we're going to do that is by having our voices heard. Well, thank you so much, Adrian, for, for joining me today and talking about um, yourself and public health and the Washington State Public Health Association and, and where we're headed and where we are. And um, have, have, a, have a great holiday season and look forward to catching up with you again. Yeah, thank thanks, Jeff, for having me. And and you know, I'm it's an honor to be your very first guest. Um, I really really appreciate you uh, extending that inv invite to me. And um, you know, um, I'd, I'd love to come back later on a year from now to see what happened. <laughs> Count on it. Count on okay. it. Thanks, Adrian. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for joining today's podcast. We plan on releasing a new episode about every two weeks, so stay tuned. Public Health is Essential is hosted, produced, and edited by Jeff Ketchell. Theme music is Synapse. Line is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License by Shane Ivers of SilvermanSound.com. The best way to support the Public Health is Essential podcast is become a member of the Washington State Public Health Association. Find more information at www.wspha.org. And thank you for listening.